podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's a legend activity. I've got Jonathan Liu with me uh, to talk about football uh, in the Neil and Strand. Um, to talk about how the weight... Jonathan, he sent me a very interesting message and I liked it immediately in that the concern he has around football is the weight has become too much to bear. That the game is just going to buckle if the if the constancy of, of everything being picked apart continues, then the game buckles under the weight of it all. Uh, the weight is too much to bear. Um, that seems to sort of be the case across the board this season. And yet the whole uh, behemoth powers on. Well, I mean, I, I guess there are two related points. Uh, and and one of them is is football is too big. My this is my, I have a very very strong contention that football has got too big, and that you know I guess that's a point about capitalism, uh, uh, and that's a point about how it it has just become too large and everywhere. You know that's why you now have twelve month seasons. That's why you know people people can't um, you know people people can't just you know, people get really annoyed if there isn't football on on a particular Thursday night or a Monday night. There is no football. What, what, what do I do? Uh, and, and obviously, you see that in terms of things like fixture congestion, and you know, there was no football. We're recording this on Tuesday. There was no football last night. No football. There was no football last night. So I'm sure people could find some. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 was, I had a I had a Monday night off. So it's like, well, what do I do without football? You know, I've got to get on with my life. And that, that, so that that's the first point. That football has got too big. Uh, and I think I guess a related point, but but one that is more about us and how we relate to it and. And I guess it's also a point about technology, social media, and identity. Is that football has become too important to people, and that we are putting far too much of our emotion. I'm not too. I'm not too fussed about the emotion part, but identity. I, yeah, I, we're putting too much of our, our identity and time and, and and emotional baggage into football. And in you know, in the old days, you could be a fan of X club at the weekend and you know you you by monday morning you could be someone else right you were you were you were a person whereas now <laughs> you're a person you're you were, you were a fully rounded human being instead of like a you know a, a scarf with a human attached right and and now because of the way that we are all living online and interacting online and the way that we are presented online and almost kind of reduced to caricature a process in which, by the way, we all really, you know, willingly submit to. Um, you are never not a fan. You are never not in in football. You are, you are always kind of, you know, like um, when you, if you went to a school that had a uniform, they would always say like, whenever you're in the school uniform, you're representing the school. Wherever you know, you could be in Tesco, wherever, but you're you're you're, you're representing the school. Um, it's a bit like that. If you are, if you have YNWA in your Twitter bio. You are never, you are never off being a Liverpool. You could be, you know, you could be out with a kid. You could be out in the supermarket. You could be asleep, and somebody can can, can send you a message, uh, which will then you know flash up on your phone, uh, and you know you will be to that person Liverpool or a Liverpool fan, right? And and you, are, you that, that that identity you can never take off because we are all permanently there online, and I think that that that's that's. Also, the, the the point I wanted to make that yes, okay, football is too big, but also people have have subsumed it into themselves too much, and you know, so when flashpoints occur, whether it's a referee controversy, whether it's a big game, or you know, whether it's some argument about whether X player over Y player, 
people are just like people are just screaming at each other and fighting all the time. I thought this is not this is not a new or original point. I just find it really quite interesting and arresting that we, we are you know we've taken this sport which used to give us uh, a little bit of sucker I think and a little bit of you know micro moments of joy and have turned it into an identity. And I don't think it's healthy for us. So there's loads of bits there that I want to get into. I think the first thing that that strikes me on it is. I mean, we are going to end up talking about the mayor of Manchester here, so we'll work ourselves around to that, who has managed to take being an online football supporter, subsume that into his own identity to the point that he's, he's writing the letters that he's writing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to end up back uh, at the mayor of Manchester because God knows I so often seem to these days. But I want to talk about some of the consistency thing. So I was very invested in uh, Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 3. And the reason why is because I quite like Liverpool to some of the Football League. Um, I, I really <laughs> Because that's a perfectly natural state of affairs. And then I was very delighted with the the genuinely delighted and entertained with the drama of the last sixty seconds with the referee thing and the referee and uh the fact that he doesn't play advantage. That's it. You know, I just don't think he sees him, but a couple of other things, but I'm quite relaxed about it. It happens in a lot of games all the time. And then the Manchester United star centre forward goes mad, uh, as he was caught up in the incident. And I'll was hugely entertained by that because I think it's quite funny. It helps that I quite like him as a person. I think he's quite a likable chap. And then all of it goes on and it's genuinely funny. Like it's allowed to be funny. And then it becomes, well, there needs to be consistency because Virgil van Dijk told the referee to fuck off. And and he got an extra match ban for it. And Harlan's done this and he's tweeted this and yada yada. And I genuinely wanted to find a language. And this is sort of a, a lot of the time sort of arguing against literally people who subscribe to the Anfield rap. I don't care. And I actually thought it was funny in the same way that I thought Nunez had a murder with Guardiola the week before at the final whistle. Like, this, we can point and laugh at this stuff and go, that's a funny thing that's happened during a football match. We can just laugh at it. It doesn't need to become a conversation about consistency. But because everyone can see everything and everyone's talking about everything, then you end up with, well, where's the consistency in this issue? As though there was an unbelievable level of consistency in 1976, the way in which football matches were refereed. There wasn't. You just couldn't fucking see them and no one was talking about them. So, you, you know, the, 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 I'm fine with there not being any... I don't want Haaland to be banned. I think it's mad Grealish has got five yellow cards when he's probably not put a bad tackle in all season. But because the referees have gone mad about the sense, he's going to end up getting that ban. I saw Sterling get him. Like, I think that it becomes this desire for this impossible thing because it is too big to bear if you're not careful. And you've got to try to remember how to point and laugh. You've got to try to remember how to point and laugh. Oh, oh, totally. But, you know, you say, like, well, you've got to laugh at it. You can't, really, these days. You can have a... I mean, certainly not, not in the in the public sphere where, uh, you know, the, the default... Um, the default emotion. And I guess what gets rewarded most, I think, by the metrics of social media is, you know, pure rage. You know, the, 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 the purest and simplest and basest emotions get uh, get rewarded. So, you know, that's, that's where you get conspiracy theories that's where you get you know to sack the board sack everybody you know that that that's where you know you, the, the world is um the world is kind of run by people who see it in the simplest terms i think and you know that that's uh that's true online as well it's um if if if, if you can't if you can't have a laugh at something if you can't literally say that is quite funny let's move on can can we move on from this now i mean the, the only reason that that is an issue that decision is because it happened really late, right? If that happens in the ninth minute or the nineteenth minute, 
uh, nobody cares. It's a, it's, you know, it's a little bit like, um, you know, we've all been, we've all been in a situation where our teams are attacking, they've got the ball and then the final whistle blows and you're really pissed off for about 15 seconds and then it goes. And that, that's the way I kind of see all, all these decisions. Oh God, that's, you know, th- there is no, I think there is, there is genuinely no refereeing decision, like no refereeing decision, uh, that is, that merits or deserves any response other than gosh that's really unlucky for you oh so you got you know you got denied a certain goal that was you know probably should have been ruled out that's really unlucky for you i mean it's not like there is enough there isn't gonna be more football coming along there's more football coming along as we know the very next night or in a few days time i, I, I think you know we just need, we just need to pace ourselves a little bit maybe it, you know I, I am kind of um i've got an usual i guess amongst football journalists in that i don't just cover football these days i think the vast majority of football journalists just cover football and and i i, I need you know we talked about this before i need breaks from football. i need to you know balance i need a balanced diet i need to balance out with other sports i need to balance it out with, you know things like family time and, and hobbies and you know just sit well darts on the horizon well darts is it's it's it starts you know we, we are going to we are going to get the darts podcast on soon right um and and so I, I've I've always found it really really weird, you know, when I come back to the football space, as it were, and oh my god, you, you guys are still talking about the, this this football thing um, that I've you know I've just been kind of away from for a couple of weeks or a couple of days or whatever. Oh, oh gosh, you, you, you're, you've still been at it this entire time, and I I just find that kind of I find that behaviour quite unhealthy, and I think that is you know that is generally you know it's leading to. You know, we can't we can't really talk to each other anymore because everything is agendas, everything is identities, everything is you know the one one long broiling argument uh, where people are, are trying to outdo each other and one up each other and ratio each other and 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 destroy people. Uh, and you know, maybe this is a, a a facet of social media, but I think it's you know it is bleeding inevitably into the way that we all talk about it in in um, you know in non social media settings as well. Uh, well, that, uh, for me, that's a bit that's more interesting. But I think the idea of the constancy of the identity, I think it's an interesting point because I think that that's the bit which you know I've long argued Liverpool, the city, is sort of culturally a city with football very much at its heart. That, for instance, if you're going to put an event on on a Saturday or Sunday in Liverpool, that's completely nothing to do with football. I think it's still a smart thing to do. To check out literally when the games are, what the games are, how they're going to operate. It's something that will have a push and pull on a huge number of the people who live in the city and other, uh, therefore, the idea of an influx of people to the city. What is that influx? How does it operate? And is there a way to speak to those people and get them out of that bubble? And that's what I think is is the difficult part with the with the way in which the fact that the games are, especially at this time of year, so constant, combined with the idea that people are really eager to anchor a real sort of sense of self around all of it, it does become the way the press have stated too much, but it does it does become something that is that is just a little bit too great. That it's absolutely fine to take your points. You know, it's absolutely and and, and, and as I say this is something I think Liverpool's been really good at far better at culture than anyone gives it credit for. Because you know, the people who go to all the cultural this is the case in everywhere, I want to be crystal clear. But because of the size of Liverpool, Liverpool is a smaller city than London, a smaller city than Manchester, uh, a smaller city than Madrid, 
that because of the size of Liverpool, in a really weird way, you've got to be able to switch it on and off a little bit more. The people that want you to come and do other cultural things in the city have got to have an acceptance of it, an awareness of it, but also an encouragement that it's okay to go and do something else for a little while. I'm, I'm try- I end up making, if I'm not careful, they're just a little bit of a Goldilocks point. But I, yeah, and I don't mean to, but I think that that, that idea of it's quite overwhelming, but you need to be able to do other things. I think it's something that Liverpool as a city actually does quite well. I think that in other places, that may be where people aren't living in cities or maybe where people are living in cities where there isn't sort of an experience of this. I think it gets a little harder. I think, and I, th- I think it is, you know, I think you can make an argument. And as I say, here, if I'm not careful, I'm finding a really round the house point way to make an argument for Scouse exceptionalism. And I really don't mean to, but I think that you end up sort of, because football is, if when it becomes like all my life, I'll keep talking to Jonathan, I'll get to a question. Uh, subscribe to the Anfield app, by the way, this is a free week. I I feel like all my life, like football's been a really defining factor and it's a really defining factor of where I am and of the people who I am around. But so that we don't go mad, we have to be able to do other things and talk about other things and go to other places and so on and so forth. Like I'm 42 years old and this is literally my lived experience that you you, you know you go the game you might go the game in the in the morning well in the, the lunchtime or in the afternoon but you need to be able to go to a gig in the evening because if not we're, we're all just going to go insane and I do sort of wonder how you encourage how we encourage people to have the switches and I am well aware of the fact that this week the Anfield have put twenty shows out. I think well, okay, that's no, that, that's a really important point that you've made, and, and I, I, I kind of, I, I think it's 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 an interesting it's, it's an important point because there was you know there, there's a couple of things I want to clarify. You know that I I don't think it's I don't think it's a problem. You know, being totally, you know, a, a in love with your football club and and feeling like incredibly passionate about it and wanting to live and breathe that football club and feeling all of the feelings that you get from the sense of community and the sense of joy and the sense of, uh, you know, ritual, I guess, that people get from a football club. And Liverpool, obviously, as a as a, as a a pure footballing city, I think, uh, the, the, I, don't, I don't have a problem with any of that. And But th- these things used to be entirely local, right? Liverpool, on a, on a match day, it's a, you know, the city gets taken over by football, you know, and, and it... The city lives and breathes football. It's it's you know it's it's kind of there on the streets. It's there at the pubs. It's there at the stands. It's there at the living rooms and and, and it's there at the schools and, and the offices. But that is an ent- in a way that's almost an entirely um, you're not having to fight for it. You're not having to constantly fight other people for it. This is something that is yours, right? This passion is yours, and and and, and it used to be the same in every single you know football yeah. town and football community. That was their that was their passion, and it, it is something that that's theirs. But now, what's happening is that you're kind of having to fight for that because it, it's almost as if every Saturday afternoon in Liverpool, when Liverpool are at home or Everton are at home, a million Chelsea fans or you know three million like United fans are also descending on the town. Not really for any reason. It is the Anfield Apps Free Week. I'm Neil Atkinson, and there's so many people who come and contribute to our shows. We can't thank them enough. Uh, they come from right the way across the city and right the way across the country. Uh, some over the phone, some over Zoom, uh, and a great many in person in our studio in the heart of the city. 
if you'd like to support us and support what we're about here at the Anfield Wrap, that would be greatly appreciated. But we do just simply uh, thank you for listening to the free stuff that we put out as well. Uh, theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe through Patreon or through the app if you do want to get more and more of what we do for the rest of what hopefully will be a fantastic Liverpool season. I'd flip it the other way. What it remark? Well, I think your point about your argument here is that everything becomes like a derby. So, like everything's like a derby, and the, the aftermath of so many games becomes like a derby, where you go into school. You know, I, always the idea of growing up. You go into school on Monday morning, and you argue with Blues, except for the fact that now people, firstly, it's not school, but also obviously, but secondly, it's everyone, everyone. I'm reminded of a friend of mine recently where, even in Liverpool, there was a, a few. Uh, children who supported other teams and, and, and he was referring to his son and saying, you know, how there's all this bantering when he gets into school on Monday and I, one of the things that sort of occurred to me was, well, the only bantering in inverted commas we ever had was with Blues. Like, that was it. There was one lad who supported United in the year uh, growing up, but there was Blues. But that, what that meant was, and it's part of the reason why even now I still have almost like an existential dread of the Merseyside derby, is because... I know that the days leading up to and the days after the Merseyside derby, like it's been conditioned into me. This will be deeply, this will be, this This is the way this is, this is what it's about, this is how it works. And then I think you go to Dublin and I think it's dead interesting because I think, for instance, nothing drives the Irish Reds madder than Manchester United doing well. Nothing relaxes the Irish Reds more than Manchester United being shit because this is a condition that's been going on for years. But then the flip side of that is that now that's sort of everywhere. And now the the weird kid who makes big pronunciations and then makes a fool of himself, it, the equivalent of him is when you're watching the clips of people doing YouTube watch-alongs and stuff like that. He, all of that is now constant and everywhere when it used to be, as I say, in the case of the Merseyside derby, twice a year. London clubs obviously have the worst and have more, but that idea of it being everywhere and all on top is something that, as I say, it used to be twice a year. And now, if you're not careful, at the very least, if it's a big six thing, it feels like it's 12 times a year, plus the Merseyside derby, plus whatever weird things going on with Newcastle, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that is exactly it. Liverpool, 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 you know, they play Manchester City maybe, you know, three or four times a year, right? But you guys, you know, Liverpool fans are playing Manchester City fans every, like, 24 hours a day, right? If you, in, in, no matter how strongly you used to feel about, about your football club, you couldn't, you literally, you physically couldn't have an argument with a stranger about it at 11 p.m. on a Sunday night, right? And even if you don't want to do that now, you can. Now, now you can. You can have, a, you can have an argument with, about it any any time of the day or night. You can, uh, you can pile in or you can get piled in on. And I think that that's what I'm talking about. Is the, that's the weight that football can't bear. It, it used to be this thing that that gave us, you know, hope and, and identity. And now it is something that. We, we almost have constantly have to fight for you know whatever whatever hat you're wearing whether you're a Liverpool fan whether you're a journalist uh, or, or you know you, you are constantly having to fight for that identity all that time uh, and, and and I think it's, it's getting it's, it's getting exhausting for a lot of people even if they don't realise it yet the the idea of the emotional baggage of all of that consistency so on and so forth I think you get to you get to see that in for instance the the response to the Everton charges so that's I did warn us that we would end up back at the mayor of Manchester and well, but just quickly right I did when when you have an, uh, you have, when you have an opinion online about the Everton charges right it, that is do, do you mind that that is seen through a Liverpool prison that it's almost inevitably seen through 
Tom, if you want to, if you want to, honest question with me about this, because you know, I, we, I mean, we've talked a lot away from recordings, and sometimes on recordings, I'm very into football reform, and I think regulation is is critical. And I was furious it was Everton first, so I haven't written about it anywhere. I keep meaning to. I've, I've been busy and other bits and pieces, but I was furious it's Everton first because the reason why is my view on it will be seen as it's because it's the Blues, whereas you know, if it was just Brentford. And I mean that with the greatest of love and respect to Brentford, who are, by the way, a brilliantly run football club. But if it was just Brentford, and Brentford had been a badly run football club for a period, and I then wrote something saying, well, I think it is right that there is a points reduction. Uh, if anything, I think the points, because this is what I do think about Everton, if anything, I think the points deduction isn't enough, not least from the point of view of, of, of precedence moving forward, because there's there's bigger fish to, to, to go on and fry, uh, in, in my view, and also there needs to be, you know, Ultimately, if a side feels as though they could do this and it was the difference for them between 70 points and 90 points, they get 90 points, they lose 10, they get 80 because it's a 125 million breach, not, 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 not 19 million breach because the target is zero, 105 mm -hmm. points at which. So, I, you know, I, I am cross because it when when I do speak about this and have spoken about this, even just a little bit, the... It is the idea that it's because I'm a Liverpool supporter, and it genuinely isn't. I I do think, as I say, I I if I was setting the 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 sanction for it, given the fact that I think 105 is too high anyway, UEFA's at 60. I'd either be pulling 105 down to something like 60, um, and then going from there, or I'd alternatively say 105 is unspeakably generous, so it's an immediate six point breach if you breach it, and then a pound um, a point for every million. Then after. Yeah. Yeah, to say because we don't want clubs doing this because it overheats the market for everyone and it, it what it does to money and so on like it genuinely overheats the market for everyone and it, it you know it's it's generous there's so much money in football and if you live beyond what an unbelievably generous premier league means then you know you should the genuinely should be i think quite serious sporting consequences and the arguments of there hasn't been much sporting benefits is sort of neither here nor there like if you if you if you break the rules and you're still shit, well you've still broke the rules. But if I again if I say that it feels like it's an Everton joke, then every now and again I will talk about it on a show and I will then make an Everton joke. And I really regret it after the fact. And the reason why is because I don't want it to be with a cheap shot where someone gets to say afterwards, well there's the cheap shot and it was only because of that. I so yeah, I really wish it'd been another team first. I and it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been Everton first. It shouldn't have been. I mean naming no okay. names, but no, no, but uh, well, of course, but they're, they're, they're different breaches. But for this specific rule, it also shouldn't have been Everton first because Everton should have needed this. And then I want to have a wider conversation about Everton because, and this is difficult as well because people will see it as tribal. Basically, the biggest victims, victims is the wrong way to frame it, and that's too strong. But the side that I think are most, their potential success is most undermined by the arrival of Abramovich is Everton. The next side, the side that are most undermined by the arrival of Manchester City is Everton the side that are most undermined by the general overheating has been Everton and then I also think that the the Newcastle United thing most shafts Everton more than anyone else Liverpool Man, Man, Liverpool will be forget Man United Liverpool will be fine Liverpool whether you know and, and this is why there is an argument to be had around football and all the bits and pieces but ultimately Liverpool are one of the biggest five football clubs in the world especially in a post-Jurgen Klopp era but also just in general that was the case anyway. You know, there's Manchester United, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and Barcelona. And one way or another, all those clubs should always be pretty much fine. And Barcelona have become their own basket case in a couple of ways. And there's a Premier League question for the others. But you take the general point. So 
the, this other stuff happens, and in the long run, one way or another, Liverpool will be fine. Like by the long run, I mean twenty years, maybe in fifty, with with continual mismanagement, Liverpool and Man United might be in real trouble. Man United are working hard at the minute to really test that case, and yet they're making more money than practically every other football club on the planet, regardless of the mess that it is elsewhere. So all those things that I've just mentioned that happens, the size that that hurts, are. Uh, Maybe not even Arsenal. Arsenal may well be almost too big to fail post post Wenger um, and post Henri era, in a way. You know, so over a period of time, Arsenal will always find a way back. But it's sides like Tottenham and Everton, sides that have been established sort of powerhouses of English football at one time or another, or at least in the conversation around that. Who, when the new money comes in, will find it increasingly difficult to compete. Not just with the idea of player by player, but because it overheats. My point here is that the regulations should have should have been a have been in earlier and b should have been in to protect Everton. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And now we've ended up here, but it's really hard for me to go and say that anywhere because everyone will or Evertonians who already see me bouncing around town uh, and talk to me in bars will will think that's because of bias, but it really isn't. It's because I'm very much in favour of the idea. That if you don't want the whole thing to be fired by money and the money to go mad and continue to go mad over and over again, then you need really strong regulation. And if you need really strong regulation, you need really strong punishments when people go the wrong side of that. And that ultimately is, is, is where it falls. And that's genuinely what I think is a principled argument, not to point on that for Evertonians. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think many people out there, you know, feel that there, there shouldn't be some form of... of cost control, financial regulation, you know, essentially keeping it out in order. I, I think people agree with that as a principle. Uh, but I, agree because I, don't think, I don't think they do, Lord Jonathan, I think they're being convinced. I, I think a number of people have been convinced otherwise, because to go back to your conspiracy theory point with this idea of an inverted commas, a cartel, or have a genuine source of principle of, and, and, and this is where I think that when the footballers or the, the ex-footballers talk about it, I think this gets complicated, but almost have a genuine sort of instinct of, well, it's the footballers will end up earning more money. Let's get more money to the footballers. I'm absolutely fine with that because that's the way in which it goes. And I think that that genuinely is sort of that. I don't think it is as cut and dried as I don't think most people do think that. I, I think that the majority of people, possibly, if you were to sort of find a sophisticated way to poll them, would agree with that. But I don't, I don't think that's quite as cut and dried. And I think especially when everyone thinks that until something happens to them and something limits their age. Well, this is it. And I, I, I guess, like, you know, the, the majority of the majority of listeners to this to this pod maybe would would think that there probably should have been something, some kind of mechanism, some 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 legislation in place in two thousand and eight uh, when you know when when um, Sheikh Mansour you know when Abu Dhabi bought Manchester City right that's something that should have been in place and it wasn't and the the difficulty then comes when you you basically have to try and respond to that retroactively respond to that and so you say okay well maybe there should have been some kind of uh, rule against state ownership in 2008, but that, that, that then that doesn't stop Abramovich. Uh, that doesn't stop Abramovich taking over Chelsea in 2003. Uh, so you know what what you're always doing is as I almost kind of retroactively trying to reverse engineer what the situation should have been before yeah. this massive unforeseeable change come in. And you know just to go just to go back to Everton, how many times have Everton looked like they've come close to to breaking into the top four? To actually, you know, to, to, to break into the big time, uh, you know, in the last thirty years, um, and and it's always it's always been forces, and the the specific, you know, you see with Newcastle, 
now, and you saw it with City before, uh, that they specifically went down to try and weaken their rivals. Yeah, Manchester City. Yeah, one of Manchester City's first uh, first big purchases was was um, Gareth Barry. Then you know they, they wanted to weaken uh, a potential rival for the top six. You know, who Julian Lescott, Julian Lescott, exactly right. And then the, and then they start trying to pick off Chelsea uh, and Arsenal, uh, Newcastle. They went straight for Chris Wood, didn't they? Uh, and Burnley get relegated. Um, so the, you know, as well as you know being a, an affront to to competition, it's also a kind of you know it, it's also it also is also what a you know, kind of been writing about my colleague. It's a kind of vulture capitalism. Uh, I, I wrote a column about, about what's happening in, in women's football, where there is no any kind of financial fair play. There is the uh, salary cap, which I think is forty percent of overall club turnover, which obviously, in the context of the big clubs, is is, is nothing. And so, you, it, it's a form of capitalism in which you are literally trying to hobble your clubs as competitors. Uh, I, I don't know how you legislate to get to that now, because in a way, it already happens. And the, the fact that Everton are being punished for it now is obviously, and I, I really get where that anger comes from. I really get why Everton fans think they're being picked off, but you know, that 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 is the rules, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that, but that that again falls back to the idea of all the time with the rules, and I think your point there, and this is back to the idea that you know football is if it's not careful too big and it will break itself under the load, is that everything is always everything is everything is retrospective, and that everything is an attempt to sort of deal with it retrospectively and every single time you're trying to do that you're obviously then sort of shaping the rules but you're not actually anticipating where the next question or conversation will come from and I know that's what makes in the round sense that idea of it being sort of too big and to make my ongoing Andy Burnham points you know my 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 the oddity of all of his response and the responses that are out there from it that are not written in an official capacity, just written in an exceptionally officious way and published from uh, hugely well-followed and popular uh, social media accounts to place pressure on. And then responses come and then responses are made to responses and everything cc'd into relevant government bo- uh, individuals and uh, Shadow Secretary of State. But it's not official. It's really important to make the point. It's not an official thing. It's do- being done as a private individual. Is right. that of 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 of... of where we're placing all of this baggage in all of the bits of our lives and our identities and that therefore then it becomes and in lots of ways it sort of makes sense in britain in 20 uh 2023 to have a genuine unbelievable deep-seated suspicion of any form of authority mm. to me it's a perfectly logical position to end up in in this country in this moment you know for me it's the only rational position to end up in but there are other areas where that energy can be used that I would argue are not necessarily association football. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't follow too closely what Andy Burnham's been saying. I, I think I can hazard a guess. Um, but you know, we, we are we kind of in a position where th- this this Premier League and you know potentially the next ten and potentially the last twenty could all end up being decided in a courtroom in about twenty forty. And I don't like. Does anybody want that? This, this is what I mean by the game becoming too big and too important it, it grew and it grew and it grew and the people that were in charge of it at the time it was growing was so kind of enamored with the the, the short-term gains and what yeah. they could get out of that growth that they did they didn't put any kind of you know structures they didn't you know they basically didn't think about how is this thing going to be run when it's 10 times the size it is now they didn't think about that nobody thought about that and they didn't want to think about that and, and now you know you are in this kind of mess where um it is essentially unregulatable not that's a word but it is. It, it, it crosses 
so many borders. It crosses so many different jurisdictions. Uh, you know, you, you don't have state actors. Uh, you have kind of un, un, unanswerable uh, billionaires and private equity funds. Uh, you can't you can't regulate. How, how do you regulate something owned by Saudi Arabia? How do you like they, they don't they don't listen to you know you don't they don't listen to the UN. They're not going to listen to you know Richard Masters or uh, certainly or Andy Burnham. Uh, so yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, I think we got somewhere, uh, but you never know. Uh, as I say, sign on to the outfield wrap. I should have looked for a gap in this. There's meant to be a gap in these ones, but I like to pull the fourth wall back uh, on these ones. Uh, sign on to the outfield wrap for more of this sort of thing, not just with Jonathan. Uh, do it every uh, every week. Although I think we might take a break for the Christmas period, like stuff in the radio times, uh, and then return stronger than ever uh, in January. Uh, and go from there but anyway uh, it's been a pleasure with Jonathan uh, do subscribe if you get the opportunity to do so uh, but if you don't and because you, you've got other things to do well it'd be hypocritical of me and Jonathan said don't do that Sports Social Podcast Network